I'm so thankful for my love, and I'm so thankful that we have a chance to share together. Today, our topic that we're going to be talking about is true love. Say true love. True love. And how many of you know the world, they have a, a picture of what love is, and they have an idea of what love is, and a lot of time, what their basis is, is it's based on emotion, it's based on even romance, it's based on circumstances. And they're good until one of those things changes and some circumstances might change. And then all of a sudden, their feelings, their emotions take them a different way. And so the world has one idea of love, but how many of you know the Word of God has a different idea about what true love is? Look to your neighbor and say, let's talk about true love. Let's talk about true love. So today we're going to be opening up the Word of God. How many of you know the Word of God will never steer you wrong? So if we're going to read in the Bible about love, where do you think we're going to go? Almost everyone says 1 Corinthians 13. Now, we might end up there, but we're going to go somewhere different today. Turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Oh, come on. Y'all did better last week on that one. 1 John chapter 4. Amen. You know, as we begin to study about this, and I begin to really look at the scriptures, and, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it is what we consider the love chapter, but I tell you, this is a great passage that talks about true love. And I begin to study this. In fact, I, I love to read how the Holy Spirit through the writers lay this out. And so I was reading in context, so I went back to chapter 3, and I began to read, and I read all the way through 4. And one thing I noticed is uh, John, we believe the Apostle John wrote this letter, and what did he call himself? The Beloved, John the Beloved, the one that Jesus loves. Hey, that, that, that's something to write that, I'm the one that Jesus loves. But he wrote this, and he's talking about love in chapter 3, he's talking about love in chapter 4, but he be, begins chapter 4 with this verse, and most of you at some point in your Christian walk has probably quoted this. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 says this, greater is he that is in me than what? Now, how many of you have quoted that at one time? You know, at least out loud, you've, you've quoted, greater is he that's in me. And what, what is the circumstance most of the time when we quote that? Most of the time, it's when we're going through a, a, a tough time or a battle, and all of a sudden, you rise up, something rises up on the inside, and you begin to go, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And, and how many have done that? And I have done that many a times, and, and I'm thankful for that word because it's a truth, but it, I really begin to see this in a different light because notice where he put that. He put it right in the middle of where he's talking about love of God and the, the love that we have for other people. And when we operate in God's love, when we operate in the true love, there's something on the inside of you that's greater than anything else. He's differentiating right here at this point in the scripture. He's differentiating how the world does things versus how we and the body of Christ do things. So he's drawn a difference, and he says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. And so he begins to talk about this greatness that's in us. How many know you, you, there's greatness on the inside of you, Jesus on the inside of you? So he begins to talk about this, and then he comes down to verse 7, and he says, beloved. Now, we know this, that when he's talking to beloved, he's talking to born-again believers. And he says, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God 
and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Come on, say, God is love. This is not something he's just deciding to do. It's who he is. God is love. Verse 9, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a perpetuation or a payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And he begins this passage, and, and it was like the Holy Spirit said, okay, Ty, go back and read it again, and I want you to count the number of times that God is telling us as believers to love one another. And I went back and I counted in chapter three and chapter four, and it was over 13 times, 13 times in chapter three and four that he reminds us to love one another. Now, I've learned to read the Bible like this. If he told me 13 times to do something, guess what? I need to do it, but there's even a deeper level of this. If he had to tell me 13 times as a believer to love one another, then it means that there's going to be a lot of times in my heart that I'm not going to want to. How many of you have had some of those even this week? <laughs> you know, we, as we begin to study on this, it's amazing when you begin to study about love, your love walk will get tested. And he reminded me 13 times in his word, hey, Make sure you, you're different than the way you used to be. You're different than the way the world reacts. You know what? We're supposed to respond. We don't react. The world reacts out of emotion. They react out of that. We respond with the love of God. And he reminded us, come on, church. He reminded us 13 times, love one another. Love one another. And this is his word for us today. This last verse that we read, he says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If I told you, you ought to go do that. What, what I mean by that is it'd be a good idea, but, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But this word ought is a much deeper word than that. It's like a debt that we owe. It's like a payment that we need to make. In fact, that ought is not, uh, if, you, if you just feel like it, he's going, this is something that you should regularly do. If God so loved us, then we also ought to love one another. How important is that? We're, today, that's what we're going to be talking about because this is not just our relationship with God, it, it's about that, but it's also this true love filters into every other relationship. I can't truly love my beautiful wife if I'm not operating in this. I can't truly love the people around me if I'm not operating in this. And so he's saying, hey, recognize the love of God that's on the inside of you. Now it changes everything that I do externally. Amen. You know, Ty and I really did love studying out this, these passages because it refreshed and refired things within us. All of us as believers know that his truth is in us, but it takes that, that renewing and the spirit of that renewing of revelation for us to walk in, the, in those freedoms and to actually continue to have them in our lives. And so I was taken back to a time in my own life where I was really challenged. Uh, as a whole, I have a pretty uh, joy-filled, happy personality, and I really haven't had a lot of conflict with people, per se. But a few years back, there was one particular situation that really, really challenged me in my love walk. I thought my love walk was great until that particular scenario. But I knew that I wanted to do it the way God wanted me to. 
And so maybe you could be like me, and at first my prayers were just speaking my frustration about this scenario to God. But then he took me back to the Word. And I was actually studying, preparing to teach at Victory College, and I was going over my notes for renewing the mind. And I was in Romans chapter 12, but I just began to read through the entire chapter. And he took me to the end of the chapter of Romans 12, and I'm going to read from you in verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded, exclusive, but readily adjust yourself to people, things, and give yourselves to humble task. Never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. And verse 18, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, Debbie, live at peace with everyone. And you know, when the word of God becomes revelation and the spirit of God just really illuminate that passage, I just said, God, this is what you want me to do. How do I do this? And, and honestly, my emotions weren't right where this scripture was at that time. But as the Spirit of God gave this to I realized there is a power for me. There is an anointing for me to live at peace with this particular person in this scenario. And the Lord began to show me, if this person never asks for your forgiveness, if this person never acknowledges their part in this scenario, you will be responsible and one day held accountable to me. Did you hear and obey what my word said? Now, I don't mean that in a mean, oh, I mean, because we have a loving father. But what he's saying is, I give you these promises. And when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And the word says, my life is not my own. I belong to him. So do I pick which parts of me belong to him? No. If I'm fully surrendered to him, all of me. That means my attitude. That means my thoughts. That means my desires, and that's that soulish realm, our mind, our will, and emotions, our thinking process, our choosing processes, and that was the part that was really having the issue. My spirit wanted to connect with Christ. The spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak, and my soul man wanted to have something different, so I made a choice that day, and then I began to remember 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We quote this so many times, for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And he reminded me again, Debbie, I put it in you. It isn't just I took fear. That's not yours. But inside of you, you have a spirit of power. You have a spirit of love. My love, my agape is in you. And that sound, self-controlled mind. So you can control those thoughts. You can take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And you can stir up my love. And I'm going to tell you, I began to pray for this person. Because, you know, it says pray for those who despitefully use you. I found every prayer that was there. And I'm going to tell you, at first it wasn't easy. But I began to pray in my prayer language. I prayed out a blessing. I prayed out protection. I prayed out that God would bring resolve to this. And he did. But you know what was the most greatest thing? Is he changed me from the inside out. Yeah. And I no longer looked at this person through an offense or through some, you know, negativity. 
But he filled my heart with such a compassion that I truly love and prayed for this person. And he brought resolve and he brought restitution in this in the way that he saw best. But it was because I chose to submit to his love and recognize, just as Ty was saying, if I'm truly a Christian, then they should know me by my love. love. That's so good. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We're going to begin reading with verse 9. I, I hope you see from the scriptures we're talking about, we're laying a basis of what really true love is all about. Verse 9 says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Now, this is Jesus talking. John's recording this, and he says, as the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. Say that with me. Abide, Abide in my love. in my love. Now, we understand what that word abide means, and, and if we think about like a, a grapevine or anything, if a leaf gets plucked off of the vine, it'll stay green for a little while, but it will eventually wither and die because it's been removed from the life source. And so if you want a how-to on, on how to do what the message is, right here it is. He says, abide in my love. Abide in my word because that helps us, that teaches us. Just like Debbie was showing, that verse came alive to her right at the moment she needed it. So he says, abide in my love. Dwell in it. Live in it. That's a, a really good reason we read the Bible on a regular basis because it helps us in those immediate situations. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, I, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy, come on, shout joy, joy. that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Your joy may be full. You know, there's a verse we quote a lot of times with joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know, and a lot of people will quote that, and, and I mess with some people sometime, and they'll come up and they'll say, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I say, okay, well, what does that mean? And they'll sometimes, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> okay, great. What does that mean? Well, and a lot of times I've struggled with that in my life because to me, joy and strength were two different yeah. things. Come on, how many of you have been there at times? Like, Holy Ghost, that scripture, that makes no sense to me. Help me with this. And so he began to show me because what I was doing is what a lot of people in America today do. I was trying to substitute the word happy in for joy. And, and how many know happy and joy are two different things? In fact, the, the root word of happy is the word hap, which means based on circumstance. And we can clearly understand that. As long as everything's going good, we are happy. But if things don't go so well, then we become unhappy. It's solely based on circumstance or coincidence or all of those things. Hey, that's not of God. Joy is a whole different thing. Joy is a, a state of mind. In fact, I gave them a definition to put up there. It is a delight of the mind. It's a state of mind from the correct, uh, consideration of the present or assured approaching possession of a good. Now, what that means is, hey, everything's going good. I have joy. But it also means this, things aren't going so well, but I have joy knowing that God's about to turn this thing around. I may not be where I want to be, but God's bringing me through it. I may not know what's going to happen, but God's going to bring it to pass. Now, how I many of you know that's strength because you're not moved by circumstances? I always laugh at this. There's a word called unhappy, but there's not a word unjoy. Unjoy. 
Why? Because we're supposed to stay there. And it's not moved by what I feel. It's not moved by what I'm experiencing. I have a joy, and that creates strength in everything that I do. And he says, this is what I want you to have to the fullness. He says that my joy or that your joy may be full. Verse 12 says, this is my commandment. Notice it's not a suggestion. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now that word as is two letters, but it is a huge word. It means to the same extent or in like manner. So he's saying, just as I've loved you, you love one another. Ooh, that's big. Because how did Jesus love you? He died on the cross. He gave himself up for us. And he's telling us as born-again believers, again, he's drawn a distinction on how the world does things versus how we think. You know, we're not trying to climb the ladder and get ahead and stab everyone's back to get there. Hey, we trust in God. Promotion comes from him. And so I humble myself knowing that in my due season, I'll be exalted to the place when I'm ready. Ooh, that was for someone right there. And then he finishes it with this, verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, I just talked about Jesus died for us, and that's what he's referencing, but then he brings it to us, and he's not expecting us, thank you, Jesus, to crawl up on a cross for everyone. He's already done that. But he's telling me that my cross on this, my part of this, is that I lay down what I want, what I need, for someone else. My marriage relationship, it's not about my needs getting met. My focus should be on her needs being met. And all the ladies said, Amen. And all the men said, Oh no. <laughs> but you know what? I, I've counseled, my wife and I, we get to do a lot of pre-marriage counseling and we've counseled with a lot of people and, and we'll say, well, how do you know you're supposed to be married? And it's amazing how so many of them will go, well, because he does this for me, he does this for me, he does this for me, and he does this. And here in a minute, we'll stop and say, now, wait a minute. What are you bringing to the marriage? <laughs> marriage is not just about you and your needs being met. Right. You know, a lot of times we get this, I, I'm the king or I'm the queen and they need to do everything for me. No. Not getting a lot of amens on this. You better jump in and bail me out here. <laughs> How many you know that's the way the world thinks? But when my focus is on her, and, and I teach this to our men in men's discipleship, and it's not too late to get in there next Tuesday night, but uh, when I teach this to the men at discipleship, I say, hey, we never do something with the intent to get something back, but I do have good news. When I sow that seed, there's a lot of seed time and harvest. And when I make sure my focus is on her needs being met, my needs will always be met. He says, husbands, agape love your wife. In other words, it's not about me and my needs. It's about I'm serving and making sure her needs are met. And when I take care of that, God always takes care of me. You know, it's amazing how the world skews everything. And there's so many divorces because irreconcilable differences. I'm, and, and what you'll ask them, well, I just wasn't getting my needs met. Hey, this is what true love's all about. When you submit to that, it takes care of itself. And it, God will help you through his word, through his Holy Spirit, help you walk that out every day. Amen. Amen. You know, when Ty and I were engaged and, and 
working towards married, uh, we um, did a lot of counseling and continued to, to allow great teaching and the Word of God and to go to conferences to grow our marriage and so that our marriage stays strong. But a commitment that we made was that we were going to work to outserve one another. And, you know, we, even as studying this weekend, we were like, I think we could do better. And uh, I have an awesome husband with a generous heart, but I want to be a generous wife with a generous heart. And, you know, it's really sometimes we have to allow that love of Christ to be stirred up within us because a marriage relationship can just become a do and a don't. It can become something like two people being roommates. Nobody gets married on that first day and just think, oh, 20 years later, I'm, not, I'm gonna look at this person different and I'm not gonna be so in love with them. It's choices that you make and it's the same way with your relationship with God. You know, we were talking about this true love, this agape, this God kind of love. And of course, we always go back and we look in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, that love, this agape love, it endures long, it's patient, it's kind. It's never envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful, vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It's not rude. It doesn't act unbecomingly. Because this love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights. <laughs> it's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. And it goes on to say in verse 7, love bears up under anything and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. And verse 8, love never fails. You know, I consistently ask myself, are you looking for the best in the people around you? Are you looking for the best in your spouse? Because let's just be really real. And that's the way Ty and I are. What you see is what you get. We are just human and we have flesh just like every other person. And I have a choice every time whether I'm going to yield to the flesh or yield to the spirit. I have a choice each time whether I'm going to go in faith, or fear, or doubt, or whether I'm going to say, God, your word is true and it's true for me and I choose to live according to your word. As Ty said, I was in, in ministry, and uh, I traveled for several years. I had, had been a graduate of ORU and Raymond, been in traveling full-time ministry for quite a bit of time. And, but my father passed away, and it's, it's hard to believe now. It was 26 years ago, next month, that my daddy moved to heaven, much earlier than any of us, our family, anticipated or expected. And I probably was in a time where, you know, I was allowing God to heal and restore, but I was on the road every week and was ministering. And I remember sitting at the kitchen table, Ty and I had just began dating and my mom and I were sitting there and I just began to share with them about, you know, I'm seeing God do these things when we're on the road and I'm seeing him manifest his word and, and I'm being in the word and I'm doing this, but it's like, it's like it's not going in. And I was just sharing my heart with them. And my mom, thank God for a godly mom. She said, honey, I think you need a greater revelation of his love. Because when you know how much he loves you, you're going to see and you're going to sense and you're going to receive his word in a different way. So I began from that moment on. And I went back to Ephesians. And I encourage you to do it. Great prayers in Ephesians chapter 1 and then also in chapter 3. But in chapter 3, in verse 16, it says, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man 
by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling in your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your heart. And may you, I personalize it, and may I, Debbie, be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Lord, I pray that I may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love, what is the breadth and length and height and depth of it. That I may prove, come to know practically through experience for myself, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled, that I may be filled through all my being into the fullness of God and may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body that is wholly filled and flooded with God himself. I begin to meditate on that scripture. Amen. Yeah. Praise God for the word. Praise God for the power of his word. And I asked him, I said, God, show me this love. Let me experience and bring it back to me. And, you know, sometimes I would just sit in his presence after reading and meditating on that word. And I would just begin to sing a song that I sang as a little girl in Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. He inhabits the praises of his people. And when I began to sing out what his word said, we don't just teach that to little ones. We teach it because it's the truth of so God's good. word. So good. And as he, I'm going to tell you, it changed me forever. I've forever been changed from the inside out. It changed how I saw God. It changed how I saw his word. This word is never do's or don'ts to me. It's not rules. It's not regulations. It's not legalism. This is the most loving letter that my God has written by the Spirit so of God through men for me. And that I can take every part of it, and every part of it is true, and it will not return to him void. It knows how to divide between spirit and soul, between bone and between marrow. It knows even the very intents of the heart when I don't even know why I think what I think or why yeah. I do what I do. The word discerns that. Yes. It's alive. And it is, will produce that life and health within you. I wanted that. And I'm going to tell you, through this, of humbling myself, that's a key. Yeah. Humbling myself before God and saying, God, reveal this love to me. It changed me. It changed the way I saw everybody. And most importantly, it changed how I was receiving his word and his truth. And I just want to encourage you this morning 
No matter where you are in your walk with God, there's more. He wants to reveal his love to you. And I'm telling you, your loved ones around you, they want you to be more filled with his love. Because when you are, you only love those around you better. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It, it doesn't quite sound that way when I sing Jesus Loves Me. But, uh, he but still you know loves what? to hear it. Yeah, he still loves to hear it. It's a joyful noise. Uh, but... Uh, you know, what I love about what she just shared is she was in the ministry, traveling in the ministry, but needed a deeper revelation of the love of Jesus. And it, a lot of times I had to catch myself from thinking I'm so deep and getting into deep things and coming back to the very simplistic parts of the gospel. Jesus loves me. And there's a good biblical example of this. I, I, I preach a message called the two pillars of faith. And, and the two pillars of faith are this. You gotta know that God's able to do something, but at the same time you know God's able to do something, you also have to know pillar number two, that he will do it for you. That's right. And, and, and I'll test this a minute, because a lot of us know the scripture in here. If I say, how does faith come? Faith comes by? Hearing. Hearing, y'all know that. But there's another one that, that a lot, not as many people know. How does faith work? Faith comes by hearing, but Galatians 5, 6 says, faith worketh by love. And that's not just, it has to do with my love walk with others around me, but it's not just that. It's realizing how much my father loves me. That's what makes my faith work. And there were some preachers, we call them the 12 disciples, and they were in a boat with Jesus, and they're going across the water, and all of a sudden a storm hits, Mark chapter 4. This storm hits... And Jesus is so worried about it, he's asleep at the back of the boat. <laughs> and these guys, what was most of their profession? Most of them were fishermen. In fact, most of them grew up on this body of water. And all of a sudden, the storm's hitting, and they're sinking, and they go wake up Jesus. And, and this is one of those things like, why in the world would they wake up Jesus? They're waking up the son of a carpenter. What's he going to do, build a bigger boat? No, they woke him up because they knew he was able to do something about it. But then listen to what they said. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? They questioned his love. They said, God, Jesus, we've seen you do it for other people, but we're dying right here. Do you care about me? Do you care enough about me to save me now? And they questioned his love. Now, these were disciples that stayed with him, that traveled with him, saw him do miracles. But at a time of crisis, they questioned, does he love me? And I think that there's probably many people in here today that mentally you know God loves you. But does your heart have that revelation that he loves you so much that if you were the only one on the whole planet... God still would have sent Jesus. He still would have willingly come. He still would have died just for you. Amen, amen, that's right. We were talking with the worship team between services or this morning, and one of them shared this, and I thought it was so good. He goes, you know, if you have a best friend, and they say that you're their best friend, but then they have everyone else that's also their best friend. 
He said, it kind of cheapens what they say. And he said, what I got from last night's message was so powerful. He goes, I got that God truly loves me. And if it wasn't anyone else, he still would love me. I was teaching this in my Foundations of Faith class at Victory College. And I'm kind of just kind of going through the, the sermon part and all of a sudden I stop and I look up and the whole back row is just crying. And God was moving. And what they realized is mentally I knew God loved me, but I, I struggled with the true love of God in my life. And I think that that's a lot of people that, that are loving God, that are Christians that come to church, but you struggle with that true love of the master for you. And I think that may be some people here today. But he sent us with a word. You know what? We're so grateful that pastors Paul and Ashley just asked us to do that. It was such a kind thing. But it sharpened us in this. And I really believe that we were on a mission today. And I know this isn't like a, a normal 11 o'clock service that we have. I know it's a little more solemn than normal, but I think he sent me on a mission. We on a, a mission today that he wants us to know beyond up here to down here how much he loves you. Would you all please stand? As we're standing today, I wanna to start right there. Maybe you're one of the people that have said, you know, I know he loves me, but as Debbie began to talk about that, as you begin to talk about that, I realized I need a deeper revelation of the love of God. Maybe I've questioned, God, do you, do you love me enough to do this for me? Maybe you've been like the disciples, don't you care? And his answer forever, if you don't know the rest of that story, they woke him up and he stepped to the edge of the boat and he made a proclamation and he said, Peace be still. And there was such power in that because he didn't let his emotions be conformed to the way the storm was. He conformed the storm to who he was. And he said, peace be still. And then he turned around and he loved them. And he says, guys, why did you fear? How is it that you have little faith? Victory Church and everyone watching online. He loves you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But I want us to give that to God today. And if you're here and you're watching online with every head bowed and every eye closed and you feel like that's me, I, I really need a deeper revelation of the love, the true love of God. You could be in the ministry for many years and raise your hand on this one. If I'm talking to you, Right where you stand, if that's you, just shoot your hand up and say, yeah, Pastor, I need a deeper love of that. Yeah, I see great Christians that their hands up. This is an awesome time to say, I need a deeper revelation of that. Come on, lift them high. Yeah, hands everywhere. Maybe you're here today and you need a miracle. Maybe your, your marriage is, is in trouble or relationships around you or at work or your children or whatever it is. You, you need a breakthrough. You need a miracle in your relationships. The answer is his true love. 
but I want to pray with you on that. And maybe you need that breakthrough today. We want to have a team of people praying with you. If that's you, just lift your hand with those that already have. Yeah, lots of hands on that one too. And then this one's the most important. Because what I've talked about today all hinges on one thing, that I am a child of God, that I am a Christian and a believer. And maybe you're here today and you've never made that commitment. Maybe you've, you've, you've thought about salvation, but maybe you've never talked about like the way Debbie did, that my life is now belonging to him. He's truly Lord of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made that commitment or maybe you did at one time and you've walked away, but today's your day to come back, we wanna pray with you. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you're at. If you're watching online, you lift it up in the chat. They'll, they'll minister to you there as well. Yeah, lots of hands going up on that. Praise God. The worship team's gonna come and lead us. But if you raised your hand on any of those or you just need prayer, you need healing, or you need anything else, if that's you, I want you to just get out of your seats and I want you to come to the front. We got a team of people that are here to pray with you and stand with you. So if that's you, just leave your seat right now and come to the front. As they do that, come on, give it up for them. Glory to God. Christ is my firm foundation And the rock on which I stand Where everything around me is shaking And I'll never be more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause He's Jesus mighty name. In Jesus mighty 
Oh, come on, let's give him a shout of praise in here. Glory to God. 